and welcome to the Home Lab Show, episode 51. And I threw a few extra words in here to try to describe it. We're talking about zero-tier global area SD-WAN overlay networking, and someone may even call it a VXLAN as well. But we're going to talk about zero-tier wow. specifically. But I made the title a little bit longer, you know, keywording and stuff like that. And there are this is a category of networking that I think overlay networking is a good term for it, but I also think people don't know what overlay networking is. So I throw the word SD-WAN. And then of course the people at zero tier, they also call it global area networking. So there's that. We we hopefully yeah. have caught all the phrases that will bring people in. It's well, I think we forgot one, here. actually. You Which forgot one, one phrase, um, turbo encabulator. Oh, turbo encabulator. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah you gotta put that <laughs> word in there too. That's important. Yeah. So we're not just making up words, though. We want to make sure <laughs> people understand that this is about zero tier, whatever you want to define it as, whatever they define it as. Uh, it's about getting connectivity to the nodes that are attached to zero tier. We'll talk about some planets and moons because <laughs> that is some terminology they use that I think is great. Um, but it's a really nice uh system for solving a lot of connectivity problems that people have. It works differently than a VPN. We'll talk about how, and uh, it's a great way to connect projects with limiting your exposure. So this is why it's good for security. Mm -hmm. And boy, if uh, anyone's been following the March of 2022 news in the hacking space, you'll notice that security is, um, well, it's, it's been talked about a lot due to the, all the, all the latest uh, round of breaches. It's kind of some chaos going on out there in the world. You don't want to be part of that. Now, now, granted, most of the chaos is centered at big companies, but they don't want to be part of it either. They can think about things like zero tier and how they control connectivity. <laughs> yeah, <Now. laughs> yeah. There's so so many shenanigans going on. I whew, don't even know where to begin, but I won't because that's another show for another story for another show. So, yep, yeah. Maybe we'll talk about threat modeling in a future show. There's there's another idea that we should probably jot down. Back to we need to thank a sponsor for the show, and that, once again, is Linode. And by the way, ZeroTier is a great place to run Linode if you're looking for a way to get connected from your lab to a lab in the cloud, such as by ZeroTier. They've been a longtime sponsor of the show. Uh, ZeroTier is a pretty cool product who isn't sponsoring the show. Maybe we should reach out to them because we're going to say nice things about them today. But it is yeah. something else that would uh, bridge the connectivity gap between you and wherever your different cloud services are. And it does so without opening any ports. And without the ports being open, you've added another challenge to understand how people to get connected there. And it's a good way to do it. And Linode is a great place to run this. They've been a sponsor of the show since the beginning. If you're downloading this podcast, it is directly where you heard Linode and downloaded from their servers. That's uh, what we do all the hosting on. And we don't just talk about them as a sponsor. We were using them anyways. And uh, it's been great to work with them as a sponsor show. And we look forward to the continued support from our users who want to sign up. We have an offer code uh, down in the links below and just head over to Linode and sign up with our offer code. It'd be great and appreciated very much. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> uh, so doing it live and your brain switches gears for a minute and you almost forget stuff. So <laughs> I, almost Mine, put, I almost made yeah. an ad for zero tier. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's like in, in my case, I, I the same thing happens. I have to slow myself down constantly. So it's just like you get so excited. And also, I don't do a really good job at reaching out to companies that probably could be a sponsor, companies that I talk about all the time, even on my channel. It's like I should probably contact them, but I don't. And then they don't reach out to me. So mm -hmm. I'll just keep talking about it until eventually maybe I'll reach out to them and talk to their people. 
Yes. So anyone listening this far has probably figured out me and Jay are not uh, anything more really than technical people trying to figure all this out. We, But we're really excited about the product we want to talk about today, product, tool, open source project. It's a kind of a combination of all of them. I will start with, I like companies that have business models, especially in the open source community, because business model means the project isn't just supported by some volunteers who hopefully will keep maintaining it and manage the security of it. They actually sell this as a commercial product, but it's very accessible for the audience listening here, the home users that are looking at using this and it is just a really solid way to gain connectivity between your nodes now i will right. start with how much does zero tier cost and uh their pricing is free for their basic tiers and the pricing public on their website by the way is the fully open source and itself hosted by the way is completely free with no support so that's actually a slight difference than when i reviewed zero tier a couple of years ago they didn't have um an easy way to do the self-hosted controller i've not set this up yet but it's something they're offering now is for you to download and host the control plane because there's two pieces to this there's two components you have the endpoint node part you set up and then you have the controller that coordinates this. And that's where something has to be publicly accessible or not necessarily publicly accessible, but accessible to all the nodes. Hence the reason you probably want to make this public and why we mentioned running it somewhere in the cloud like Linode. That way, if you have a group of different networking devices and you want them to talk to each other, like I have a device at my house and Jay has one at his house and we would like these two devices to talk to each other the relaying occurs and the connection coordination occurs across the public node part of it. Now, if you're doing this all internally, technically you could create a network where everything internally only uses zero tier to communicate. It would be a weird way. It's kind of like running a uh, encrypted sub network within your network, but it absolutely could be possible. And in that circumstance, you wouldn't need the uh, node to be public because it could coordinate it all internally, but it is a, two-player system essentially where you have the nodes that do all the talking to each other and then a coordination server that they have now their pricing if you don't want to go through the trouble of self-hosting the coordinated server part and it's not necessary you can get for free using their hosted controller which they have it scattered across several continents they've got a lot of redundancy in this their root search root servers if you will they support up to 50 devices. That's free. So if you don't want to go through any trouble, you just go, you know, I just want to quickly connect a handful of things, um, play games over it or whatever you want to use it for, because that is actually a common use case for it. You just sign up for their free tier. They'll take care of everything. You get a web admin panel where you can set all this up, tie all the nodes together, uh, and that's for, uh, free. Once you go into the business ones, they have all kinds of different options, you know, for support agreements, et cetera. So if you wanted to try this out, but then move to it commercially, I think it's cool. They have an option to support that. And the nice thing is, you know, no matter which tier you're going to, there's not like a different version of the software. And I think that's really important because they're not, they're not skimping on the features. They're not like, oh, here's this open source basic tool. Our paid tool is way more advanced and gives you way more, um, features on here. So you're getting to use the same tool all the way through. And matter of fact, when you're going to the paid tier, having an open source client, I think matters a lot to a lot of security professionals now because they want to know and understand the tools, the encryption, and everything that's going into something that has this deep level access on your network. Right. So it's a mouthful on there. I missed that anything. So I could probably talk about a couple of scenarios. Um, you know, we have a lot of people of varying levels listening and things that I've run into that I feel like 
um, you know, this could be very useful for. So one of which was my eldest had a Minecraft server a while back. And basically I spun it up on the Proxmox server. So I, I spun it up on their Minecraft server, gave him access to that. And I put it on his VLAN and was able to, had to open up some ports through PFSense to allow his friends to connect to it. And I even gave it a DNS name because, you know, I'm cool like that. So I guess so his, he could give his his friends a DNS name to connect to in Minecraft. And it worked very, very well. Um, but I had to open up ports. I had to, you know, spend time configuring this. I can't remember how long it took, but I had to really look at this, you know, the security. And, you know, if his computer gets a virus, I don't want it to um, start affecting files or anything like that on the network shares. But it worked fine. It was great. Um, then he lost interest in it. <laughs> so... <laughs> Later on, um, with Zero Tier, after I had a chance to check it out, he came to me coincidentally. He was like, you know, that Minecraft server I had a long time ago. Uh, can we do that again? And I'm thinking to myself, do I really want to open up ports and all this stuff just for something that, um, you know, he might lose interest in again? Well, yeah, of course, I'll encourage him and I'll still do it anyway. But with Zero Tier, it was a lot easier. I'm like, yeah, just install this and, and click this. Tell your friends to do that and, and put this in the... Um, feel to connect to your, um, you know, to have your friends connect to your computer, essentially, directly. And it just seemed to work very well in that use case. But going back even further, I remember, um, and I think I've said this before, when I was first learning networking, I mean, when I'm like totally green, I know so little about networking. And I'm, I think I'm studying for Network Plus. And at the same time, I'm working at a company that had a, I think they had like 12 locations around the United States. And they had a, I forgot what kind of networking that was, some kind of WAN connection through AT&T. Wasn't the fastest thing in the world, but it's fast enough. And basically every satellite office was linked together by IPs and all that. It was a pretty good system, very expensive. And the, when I found out how that worked, it wasn't how I thought networking worked when I was first starting out. Zero tier is kind of like that thought I got in my head, you know, when I was in college. And I'm like, how does, how does a wide area network function? And it, I, know, I just assumed in my head it was like what zero tier is now—a simple way for two endpoints to talk over the network encrypted. But that wasn't how it was. But but here we are with zero tier. We can connect our services in our home lab to you know something on the outside, and we could have a private connection. We could also do this with VPN. But um, as I think you'll talk about later, that's obviously another solution. But I feel like in a lot of ways this is a lot easier to uh to actually set up yeah there's a lot more simplicity in it because of the way it's handled so is it the same as a vpn in some ways you can call it like a vpn it has some similarities because you are taking two devices that are not in the same location but allowing to talk to each other via encrypted communications from the surface that sounds like vpn but the methodology and implementation is very very different so if you're using zero tier you don't need to configure it on your firewall not that you can't not that some firewalls don't support zero tier but it's not a necessity of it you also don't have to open up any ports so the way zero tier works and the very unique way it works i should say that i've I would almost call it unique, but I'd also say yes, if you've heard of Hamachi years and years ago, that was the first time I'd seen networks designed like this was with like the Hamachi networks uh, for those of you that have been working in tech longer. But essentially is zero tier creates an adapter on your system. This extra adapter it creates on your system is essentially an encapsulated network virtualization stack is probably an easy way to describe it. Um, 
the zero two protocol and it's is original throw aspects of it are similar to VXLAN and IPsec. It has two conceptually but closely coupled layers in the OSI model. This is like I'm reading right from theirs because it's a little bit hard to describe. The underlying peer-to-peer -peer transport layer, the virtual wire, while VL2 is an emulated Ethernet layer that provides operating systems and apps a familiar communication medium. VL1, the zero-to-peer-to-peer -peer -peer network, and they have a name there, is the link layer essentially on there. So this, it's really unique how it works. This extra adapter to you has an IP address. So you have your main network adapter, let's call it ETH0 or whatever is called in Windows for you, but ETH0, and then we get ETH1, but it's usually called like, you know, ZT1. So this is your extra network adapter assigned by zero tier. So you set the IP address of that system. There's the control plane handles all of that. So the when you first install it, it just adds the node. Then you have your global available, your publicly available nodes. And if you're, we're not going to get too much into self-hosted, but if you're self-hosting it, wherever that is, uh, normally a lot of people are just going to want to use the default and join using the zero tier control plane. The control plane says, I see, and we'll use Jay's place as an example, Jay loads zero tier on his computer. He gets an extra network adapter. He says, I would like to join this network. Each device has a unique ID. You simply say, hey, let's join this network. Then on my side, I see it come up in the control plane and I say, I approve Jay's joining and I want to join my computer to network and it joins the network. Now, the data between me and Jay is encrypted. It does not pass through necessarily and in any unencrypted form through the relay points. The relay point first tries to negotiate some tunneling. And in the term, if you want to dive deeper into this, is DNS hole punching. It's going to, uh, I'm sorry, UDP hole punching, not DNS, UDP hole punching. And it's going to do UDP hole punching to kind of bend the curve between me and Jay and go, all right, we want this to talk to this and this to talk to this on these two separate ends. And it automatically through the way NAT works, puts these holes in the firewall to allow us to have pure communication between each other. So the IP addresses on my zero tier network interface is in the same subnet as Jay's. Now, any communications we want to do, if we're playing a game, for example, I just set his zero tier IP address in my game and vice versa. And now we can communicate with each other. And this works for anything. He could be hosting a web server. He could be running Nginx and he sets up a web server and he goes, Hey Tom, I'd like you to check this out, but I don't want to expose it to the world. This is where zero tier can come along and you're essentially you're binding that port to it and you can keep binding any other service to it because it works like an extra network adapter with an IP address assigned to it. Really any service you have running on that computer, on that server, on that device, because it supports a wide variety of devices that extra IP address gives you that connectivity as if it's in the same network. Now, what's really clever about how this works is if you set up a series of these zero tier nodes within one network, maybe you have a server farm of these at one location, but then when you're there, you actually are using the full line speed essentially to communicate with all the other nodes when you're on the same subnet. But then you can take, like, say, a laptop and you leave that network. You don't have to make any changes. It will still contact. It'll just do it through the external methods and the relaying server gets involved as well. This makes it a really interesting because this is what makes it essentially safer than VPN because you're not opening any ports. The relay can server is just going, all right, I see that you are here and you're asking for a resource that you are not on the same subnet for. You're not on the same network for. So I'm going to bridge this connection. Now, in the event of something like double, triple NAT and tricky firewalls, it does have the ability to kind of go into a slower relay mode. So if no means can be met to get connectivity because of rules and um, 
challenges that may find a network, it will relay through the relay nodes as well to get the data there. Obviously, that comes at the cost of being a lot slower, but the connectivity still exists. Now, important things about this, this is all done without the opening of any ports on your firewall. So your firewall remains closed on both sides because the way NAT translation and UDP hole punching works, you are first requesting a resource and that resource you are requesting is where the connection gets initiated. And because both of these two separate networks are requesting resources, this is where the relay server can see where those resources are coming from and facilitate the hole punching. And this is how it's able to do so without as I said, in this is important part, not opening up your network. <laughs> and I think one of the most awesome things about this is that I feel like an like an overlay network, you know, like this solution uh, zero tier is like just limited by your imagination. I mean, if you just think about what you could use this for now off the top of my head, you could have an internal website. And I'm not talking about a company. But literally, you and family, you could and you could have this really, you know, simple website that has family photos on there, or some kind of family intranet site. Even if you're at a coffee shop, you could be connected to it, or you're in your house, you could be connected to it. Set up something like Piehole on a cloud instance somewhere, and then have all of your computers, whether they're internal or not, they're using the same DNS server. Even if you are at a coffee shop, you could still be using your Piehole without having to set up a VPN to your PFSense to use something that's inside your, you know, Proxbox, you could have something like Piehole on the outside of your network treated as if it's something on the inside, even when, even when you're not home, then you could benefit from, you know, basically ad blocking wherever you go, stuff like that. Yeah. It's really one of the other use cases we've had for this. And this is a really clever one was um, we consulted with a company and they have a lot of Raspberry Pis they use as sensor monitors that they send out to places. But of course, they're sending them out to, they're in the restaurant business. And so getting these devices out to restaurants means dealing with a lot of random different networks. But with Zero Tier, it solved a lot of their problems because they can always have these nodes, these Raspberry Pis, they can program them at their office or really anywhere they can spin them up. They have local connectivity to them. But with Zero Tier, they know the IP address. They know this IP address has this customer name on it. Um, this is how we talk to this device. And then they tell the, when they ship these to different customers, they say, just plug it in, plug the ethernet in. It just needs an IP address to get out to the internet. Don't worry about your firewall. We don't have to call an open ports, which is actually what they were previously doing was dealing with opening ports and things like that, which is always um, tricky because there's not a consistency because it was going out to any company that ordered it. It wasn't like there was always a consistent stack. So using it in, in methodologies like that makes it really interesting when you are doing this. I've even had a few of my um, friends who work for red teaming and getting in and pen testing networks find it to be a very useful tool. They were actually shocked at how few networks seem to detect it. Maybe maybe that's changed as zero tiers become more popular, but it was interesting um, when I first started doing videos on it, one of my red team friends goes, I popped it right in and it went through all of our security. It seems, it doesn't seem to trip anything. It just, I had connectivity inside the network to the Raspberry Pi. So it's really clever um, from that aspect of it because it just, it understands how to get out and understands how to get networking and lets you focus on only connecting the devices uh, and getting things to where you're at. This can also be helpful for people who are traveling and want to use it for, you know, setting it up on your Plex server, binding your Plex server to it. And when you're outside of your network, which you would like to get to some of those services, being able to have some of that tied to that IP address or any of your media or file sharing, this is a pretty solid use case for it. 
It really is. Another simple use case might be setting up another storage server and then, you know, actually sending that over to a family member's house, have zero tier installed on it and on your machine or your local NAS, and then have, you know, zero tier be the means by which you actually sync your NAS at home to the other one for offsite backup. And you have that, that you know, direct IP address that you can just rsync everything straight over to. And you don't have to worry about, you know, calling that family member and trying to walk them through logging into their your access point or router or whatever and, you know, opening up ports or whatever. You don't even have to worry about that. Just plug it in, put an Ethernet cable in there and just, yeah, you're, you're, everything will be fine. Yeah. And then at that point, you have offsite backup. Yeah, this is this is actually a really great way to bridge that gap of things like offsite backup as well. The fact that it works in, in on platforms, not just Windows, not just Linux, but also like BSD and ARM. So we got a pretty broad support of compilations for it that are going to allow for a diverse use case for this. You can get it set up on a lot of different devices. Now, if you're wanting to dive into a little bit more advanced use cases for it, there are ways it can be built into or compiled into firewalls. Um, there's ways you can integrate it so it acts as a routing device. It's not its usual use case, but there are ways to do that. You can control some of the rules. There's also on the control plane, you can granularly go into the default is going to be anything you trust on the node can talk full protocol, talk back and forth, no problem. But that may not be how you want to set things up. You may want to build firewall rules for it and essentially access control lists. They have their own methodology and language by which to do this, but it's a really clever way to maybe restrict the nodes. So you trust the nodes enough to have them within your zero tier, but then you can also create some extra rules. So only certain nodes can talk in certain directions. And that may be one more way to set up the restrictions. But I think this type of overlay network is something we're going to see more and more of as we go forward, because it offers another level of security. It's very different than VPNs. And it's not like you're using username and password to authenticate a device onto network. You're joining that device, that particular laptop, that particular server or workstation that you add into your node, it makes the request, you join it. And it's not like where someone would to do something like grab your password to the VPN. Now there's with anything, this is not a perfect security solution. There are of course risks. One of the risks is going to be if someone gets control of your control plane, they will then be able to add other nodes in that in that stack. So if you get the control plane compromised, they can simply start approving nodes into the network that you set up. That's obviously a risk. But if on your side, you've done due diligence and you've restricted, for example, on a server, you implicitly have a firewall rule on that server going, yes, it is attached to this particular zero tier IP, but I only expect data to come from these other IP addresses. So now you've added one more layer of protection. And by the way, that's not authentication. That's just getting connectivity. Even internally, you know, I have VPNs that get you in places, but that only gets you as far as the login screen. You still have to have the username and password for that. So these tiered layers do add a lot more security to your configuration when you're setting this up. This is um, different ways to think about security, but, you know, kind of, we mentioned in the beginning, especially for your larger company, this is a really deep thought in security. Um, they're looking at maybe, you know, username, password, VPNs with a cell phone backup um, where people can do a SIM swap and target someone and <laughs> grab that password may not be the best idea. Maybe there's other solutions out there. And I think this is this, or other similar tools that are like this would be popular as a solution um, to lock things down a little bit further. 
Yep. It's always good to lock things down further and, you know, of course, automate things if you can. You can absolutely use something like Ansible to install the client and um, that, you know, basically like you would anything else. I did a video about this recently. I don't know how recent it actually was, but it was so simple to set up and I was just blown away by it. It was something that I've been meaning to check out for like two years. And, you know, when he first mentioned it on your end, I'm like, whoa, that sounds so cool. I can't wait to check it out. I'll check it out tomorrow. And then a couple of years later, hey, here's a video. (laughs) (laughs) But I got around to it eventually. And it's one of these solutions that I think is just so much easier, in my opinion, than VPN. Um, I don't mean to knock VPN or anything like this, but I would uh, work with a lot of clients, for example, that would have something like AWS in a local data center, they would have a, v, a VPN connection in between both so that the ADO, ADO, excuse me, AWS resources would uh, be treated as local resources. And there's a lot of configuration on both sides. You have to get the model number of the um, other endpoint. You have to set up the profile properly with all the right things. And it's just this long back and forth process. And it works fine once you get it connected, but then you went through a lot of work, but something like zero tier, it just tells me that that kind of complex customization, is not really needed. We, there's better ways to do that. And uh, whether it's a better way depends on, you know, your mindset, but it's at least simpler when it comes to how to set something up. So I think it gives home lab people a way to have resources in the cloud that are closed off that you could firewall and not allow, you know, public access, except maybe through zero tier so your external resources are just the same as internal resources. Yep. Now, one more thing I'll mention on this, and this is one differentiator when it comes to being uh, a solution for multi-node environments. Let's say we have site A, B, and C. Now, on traditional VPN, you would think of them relaying through the VPN to get to any one of these sites. And of course, once you start going A, B, C, D, E, F, G, now you have quite a few different nodes and you have a really complicated you have an exponential complicated network at some point when you have a lot of sites to connect. Zero tier solves this because you're only assigning IPs to the devices, not necessarily the subnets you want. So you're only assigning all the different devices. Also, if all of these are all on different public IP addresses or a group of developers who all work at different locations, the ability for the developers to have site A talk to site D and site C talk to site G is completely there. The, Network is a one-to-many relationship, or I should say many-to-many relationship, where any one node can reach out to the node and will find the most efficient route to that node. If that other node and two developers are working in the same subnet, they're going to have fast communication. And the same with another group of developers at another subnet, but then individually, each one of them can talk to each other. It's kind of a little bit to wrap your head around how it works, but it's the simplicity of it is it really is that simple. Like Jay said, when you set these up and you just have these extra IP addresses, you just start binding everything to it. And I've seen someone ask in the comments um, about like tail scale and a comparison. I've mm-hmm. done a comparison to zero tier and tail scale. They work differently. Zero tiers protocol is different because tail scale is a wire guard system on the back end with a front end system from tail scale. There's a little bit different. I do have a video comparison of those two on my channel. It's literally titled tail scale versus zero tier. So it's pretty easy to find. Um, 
And I will mention too, I'd seen someone else mention, I like that zero tiers multi-tenant. So if you are in IT business such as myself and you need to manage groups of networks because you don't want everyone in the same network with all your customers, but you can set up different groupings together to represent different companies or however you want to set up a hierarchy for it. That is something within their control panel um, that's allowed in there. You can build a group of networks called these are all the game servers I have. And a single node can belong to more than one zero tier. Just like you can have multiple Ethernet adapters, you can have multiple zero tier adapters on a single computer. Awesome. So, yeah. I, you know, I don't have a whole lot more to say about this. It's not a, a, uh, in tutorial because I have those tutorials on how to set it up. Eventually, I'll do a tutorial on how to set up the self-hosted controller. They do have some instructions on that. Um, we wanted to talk about this as a topic because this also kind of solves people with that CG NAT problem that they run into of you can't host something publicly uh, easily. You want to get back to your home office, but you're behind, you know, a carrier grade NAT solution because of you know, your ISP and what you have available to you where you live. This is a good workaround for that. So you can set it up on your laptop. And when you travel with your laptop to somewhere outside of your network, you can get back to those resources very easily. This is one of the reasons we want to cover it. Um, if there's enough interest and comments on it, we certainly can uh, dive into tail scale, which works differently. It's going to be very similar in terms of video. I have a video on that on my channel as well. That we're go over kind of how it works, what makes TailScale different. Um, there's lots of considerations when you're considering these different products like this. Well, I'm definitely interested. I have never used TailScale, so it might be fu a fun topic. Yeah, maybe they'll make it the next topic. We, we will let the audience decide by leaving comments and using our feedback form at thehomelab.show. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, hopefully that happens because that'd be a lot of fun. And I have another potential topic that I just came up with that I will not mention, um, but it might be a fun topic if we want to go through that. But we're always coming up with ideas for the show, so we have all kinds of things to talk about. But we should probably do a Q&A, I would think, what, within the next few episodes or so, if people yeah. can get enough questions? Yeah, is it when we uh, do stack up the questions, we love hearing back from all of you. It is greatly appreciated. Um, you know, all the feedback we get, and, and it was just to say hi. We, we don't mind, we read those too. We don't, you know, we, we don't uh, discriminate. We do like the just to know that people are uh, able to use the form because <laughs> we do get a few, we get a few confusing questions occasionally, but hey, that makes it more fun. Um, the more technical the question, you know, it gives us something to dive into. Uh, and, and we also always looking for, you know, topics to make sure we're listening to the audience and make sure we stay aligned with what people on the audience that are in the home lab audience are really wanting to know. Yeah. Yeah. Send in your ideas. It might just be a crazy enough idea for us to cover because we're home lab people. We always have crazy ideas and um, we want that reaction. You're doing what at home? Because uh, that's always fun. But send us in your ideas, your questions. We'll do a Q&A. Um, your suggestion might end up being a topic either for this podcast right here. Maybe we'll use it in one of our own videos. Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Thank you all for joining us and I'll see you next time. Thank you.